first question was how many 160 megahertz channels? I've got a chart up on the screen. And if you look way on the right side, the answer is going to be either three if you count current. But the FCC just announced a new Uni4. Um, I don't know if it's legal to do it yet, nor do I even know if, I don't even think any uh, vendor has an, a, an a AP that has support for that last channel yet. They're going to have to go and get recertified. So, but it's coming. So right now the answer is three. In the future, in the US at least, it could be four. Internationally, yeah, they're still kind of stuck with three. Now, the reason I asked this question specifically for Wi-Fi 6 is it added 160 megahertz channel. Yay! And that's where you get all these really, really huge numbers. But we only have three of them. So the chances of having an enterprise with only three channels and not having co-channel interference is near zero. So the chances that you would actually use a 160 in enterprise, also near zero. You might not even use an 80, let alone a 40. I was just working with a hospital the other day and they've been trying to push 40s and they have to go back to 20s and their complaint was, it's gonna slow us down by half. And as we'll see, it actually doesn't slow you down by half. It's all about the airtime. So we only have 100, we only have three 160 meg channels, which means we're probably not going to use them even if it's available. Next question up, how many spatial streams? Well, depending on the clients, they're mostly ones, today's new clients are almost all twos, handheld devices, iPads, laptops. There are a couple of threes. You kind of have to look hard to find them. MacBooks are one that have threes, but for the majority, they're going to be one or two. Again, for Wi-Fi 6, some of the big benefits are you can go to eight spatial streams and you get fantastic numbers, except for our clients don't actually go to eight spatial streams. So why are we even looking at those fantastic numbers? We should be looking down at the one and two range because that's what we're gonna get. Not to mention, multipath is required for spatial streams. You must have multipath or you don't get spatial streams. But just because you have multipath also doesn't guarantee that you're going to get a spatial stream. Multipath is required, but doesn't guarantee a spatial stream. So even if your device can do more spatial streams, you might not get it. I have a, a laptop here that I'm working on that supports three spatial streams. My AP supports four spatial streams, and right now I'm getting two. Between me and my access point, and it's only probably three meters away, I don't have enough multipath to support that third spatial stream. So just because you have multipath doesn't mean you're gonna get the spatial stream. Just because you support spatial streams also doesn't mean you're gonna get them in the real world. So let's design and think about and compare one and two spatial streams in our discussion about Wi-Fi 6 versus Wi-Fi 5. Now this one is a little shocking and credit goes to uh, Chuck Lukaszewski over at Aruba. They ran some tests. So you, you can disagree with the results, but you can run your tests yourself. This is at Aruba facility and they were running and wanted to get the answer to how many frames that go over Wi-Fi are how big? Because Wi-Fi is a terribly inefficient protocol. And if we can get bigger and bigger frames as payload, we can improve our efficiency. So that's the goal. Let's find out. So what they did is they sat for a day and collected all the data in their headquarters, came back and charted it out. And what we see here is 80%, 80% of all of the frames that were transmitted over wireless were less than 256 bytes. 
not kilobytes, bytes. These are teeny, teeny little frames happening all the time. And Wi-Fi is very inefficient, so it's got a lot of pay, a lot of overhead for a little teeny piece of payload. Now, part of this is a lot of our transactions in the real world are done over TCP. And TCP has an ACK, and a TCP ACK is 90 bytes. So every single frame is going to have a TCP ACK coming back. So that's one of the reasons we have so many. If you look at the, the graphic on the left, all those little teeny ones on the far left, those are just TCP ACKs. They still have to go over the wireless medium. They still have to wait for a time to transmit. They still have to use up a slot time, countdown, all of the game that we play to get a Wi-Fi transmission on the air, still have to do it even for a little itty bitty one. And you know what, we can't aggregate them. So yes, we're gonna have a whole lot of very small frames on our network. You can do the same exercise. You can sit and collect data on your network and find out what are your averages. From this average, it was 80%. I've seen as low as 60. Getting past 50 would be really difficult given the fact that the way the TCP works. Okay, and Jim, you might even have a good answer for this. Can you get this number directly off of uh, uh, MobileEye or off of Sapphire? You can get close, yeah, with uh, Sapphire, you can, you can certainly see the size of the frames going back and forth over the Wi-Fi. And, and they're pretty uh, small, right? Normally, they're mostly very, very small. I was curious. We would like them though to be big, so that's why we have aggregation. And the so last it, question, what percent of airtime is used for payload? Now we have Germund online and Germund has a great calculator. You should go and find this calculator. We'll put a link to it in the, in the show notes later. You can do these numbers yourself, both for Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi 5. Uh, Germund's calculator is perfect for comparing those two. But the only thing that's going to be converted from a payload in Wi-Fi to a payload on an Ethernet frame in this picture is the blue. When you're using Germund's calculator, it happens to be the green but that's just the way his calculator works. In this case, when we change the data rate from 300 megabits to 86 megabits, all we did was made it go slower. So the one on the top is 86 meg data rate, the one on the bottom is 300 meg data rate. It's a very small percentage of the actual airtime. Now we, we did a previous uh, webinar with Seven Signal specifically about how a single frame is transmitted, and there's a lot more detail. You can go back and look at that webinar. But across the board, if we go from a 40 to a 20 megahertz channel, the only thing that changes in this graphic is the blue. It gets half as big, but the overall piece stays the same. Wi-Fi is a terribly inefficient protocol. It's free, chips are cheap, and so we use Wi-Fi all the time. But it's not a really good steward of the spectrum that we have to deal with. And so as we talk about things like, oh, go to 160 meg channels, faster qualm, all those things, just keep in mind the back of your head, the only piece we're changing is this blue little chunk. So it's down under 10%. Some ways you can set up your configuration, your data rate speed, whether or not your MBR is faster, you can push this up to 10, maybe 20% if you're pushing really hard but it's a very inefficient protocol. So with all those things set from the trivia questions, how do you do? Did you get the answers correct? Did it make you think? Okay, remember, blue, 
is the only part that's the payload of the ethernet. This is also why people are all excited about, we need 10 gig, multi-gig, five gig, two and a half gig to our APs. Yeah, if you, if you have a lot of blue, but the blue is the only part that's gonna be changed from wireless to wired. Okay, non-labeled slide because it's pretty obvious what it is. 2003, Wi-Fi 3. We don't actually call it Wi-Fi 3, it was G. We had 54 meg. 2009, by the way, this is a weird piece of trivia. 2009, September 11, 802.11 was, was ratified. I'm glad they picked that day or I would have never remembered it. But it's September 11, 2009, and we got all the way up to 600 meg, but it's really closer to 300 meg because not everyone has four spatial stream clients to pull that off. And then Wi-Fi 5, 2015, about five years ago, we started to get into AC and it has three and a half gig. Now, I wish I could ask you all with a raise of hands, how many of you seen three and a half gig on your network? Yeah, nobody. Jim, have you seen three and a half gig on any network? Uh, never, not once. Not ever. once. I mean, if, <laughs> if you can push above a gig through the air, you're doing really, really good. Yeah, and 1. our-, our is about um... the most I've seen anywhere. And that wasn't net coming out of the ethernet. That was just using up airtime. And so Our, here we have uh, Wi-Fi 6 coming out. And I put 2021 on here because it's still not ratified. Now they're testing, they're shipping, and everyone's using it. But the protocol itself is still a little behind on the ratification. But they say we can get to 9.6 gig. Just like the previous ones. Well, actually, G was pretty close. We could get about 20, 22 uh, meg out of the 54, almost 50%. Of the 300 meg over the ethernet, we could push a couple hundred, 150 to 170. In Wi-Fi 5, in AC, we can get consistently five, 600 meg. So I'm guessing if we keep that ratio, Wi-Fi 6 may be able to clear the one gig boundary. I still don't believe it. So they renamed these, Wi-Fi 6 is AX, Wi-Fi 5 is AC, Wi-Fi 4, they're actually not supposed to go back and call Wi-Fi 4. It's N. If you continued, then you could say, well, G would be Wi-Fi 3 and B would be Wi-Fi 2, but the Wi-Fi lines never actually codified what those are. We just talked about these last ones. So what do we get new in AX or Wi-Fi 6? Well, we can support up to 8x8 MIMO. Yes, not just regular MIMO, but multi-user MIMO, both uplink and downlink. These are improvements on both N and AC added multi-user MIMO, but it was only downlink. Now we have uplink. These are good things if the client can support them. One, spatial streams. We already had a question. We don't have clients that support that many spatial streams. Multi-user MIMO, we're starting to get clients that are AX capable that can do multi-user MIMO. In doing download and upload tests, um, this works sometimes. It's not a guarantee, uh, depending on which set of hardware you have on both sides, you may or may not get these to work properly. OFDMA, both uplink and downlink. OFDMA is going to make us more efficient. It doesn't make us more faster. It just makes us more efficient. Now, Devin Aiken has a um, statement he, he makes, and I love it, by the way, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna copy him right here. In multi-user MIMO, if, 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 and who cares? If you have multiple devices, if those devices are in the spatially 
diverse location. If they have a frame to send at the exact same time down to the millionth of a second, if those frames are the same size, and if those frames are using the same MCS, then we can use multi-user MIMO. So who cares? The chances of if, 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 if in lining up are pretty small. So some of these features that came in AC that are now in AX that are better, we still are yet to see them on a, on a normal basis being used and giving us back that efficiency we're after. I know Germand and many others who are on here, we did a, a WLPC uh, deep dive specifically on how to make and capture OFDMA frames, and we had a difficult time making it happen. I've challenged many vendors saying, hey, show me that you can make OFDMA work every time with any piece of client device that's AC capable, sorry, AX capable. Yeah, no one's set up yet. Now, I've personally seen OFDMA work. I've made it work. It's just not mainstream all the time. Uplink resource scheduling, another one of the features. Long symbol, 1,024 qualm. Now, we know when we go to higher, higher qualms, we need more and more SNR to pull that off. I've seen 1024 qualm actually work on my own devices against my own APs. But it's also, you gotta be really close and really high power. So all of these features that are added in AX do work. Okay, I haven't hit the last one yet, we'll see. Um, more spatial streams is good, except for our clients don't have them. And the last one is BSS color. And Jim, I'll have you kick in here. You wrote a nice blog article, and maybe Kelsey can add a link to that in the show notes. Uh, what's your take on BSS coloring being something that's mainstream right now? Uh, it has a very, very small marginal impact right now. So the, the, the way we see it actually having a real-world effect now is APs support BSS color, a lot of clients support dual nav, and then they can use that to distinguish uh, between um, overlapping uh, transmissions from other APs and their clients and their own uh, BSS's transmissions, which can come into play in OFDMA scheduling. So there's a couple of ifs, ifs, ifs. Well, yes, there. just They're some really more of those ifs lined up in a row. Now, I, I don't mean to slam on AX. It's got all yeah. sorts of cool features. And, and from a marketing standpoint, these are cool to say and talk about them and research them. And by the way, definitely read uh, Jim's article there, his post on BSS coloring. It'll help you get a little better understanding of what all the necessary parts are. So just because AX is there and it, some parts do and some parts don't work, we still have the client side. In order for AX to work properly and give the efficiencies, we need to have AX clients. Now, my iPhone 12's AX, I've got a, oh, what is this? Uh, S10 on my desk, it's X. I can, I can test it and do it, and there's more and more AX clients coming every day. The question is, at what point in your enterprise will you have enough AX clients to make a difference? Let's look at some answers. This is a old MCS chart. It was for N and AC. Uh, the N is the HT column on the left, the yellow one. The kind of blue one on the left is for VHT or for AC. And then we had the new modulation schemes. You know, the new eight and nine that were added in AC, whereas N just continued to count higher. We just went from up to seven 
and then 8 to 15, and then 16 to 23. Now, there are MCS charts, and you can go online and find lots of them that are huge and big. I've truncated mine down just to three because I rarely have anything that's more than three spatial streams. I, th this chart actually is bigger, but this is the one I carry around with me. And it's it's been fantastic. The problem with this is we do now have installs with AX. We have clients that can do AX. And so now we can see other data rates. Now, part of the problem of going to a new chart is we have to save space to make it still readable. So I had to get rid of the minimum SNR and the RSSI, but I was able to incorporate and still fit on one page AX into the equation. So you can see we still have one, two, three spatial streams. We now added, added MCSs up to 11. Uh, the N still repeats, the AC still only goes to nine, but we get to 11 when we added the new 1024 QAM for AX. Additionally, we added wider channels. So we needed to have a 160 out there as well. And so now we have a lot more choices to choose from. And the reason I did this, I was in the middle of a class with Peter McKenzie, and part of what we were doing was testing things. And I had an AX client, an AX AP, and we were testing things. I kept getting data rates that weren't on the chart. And he goes, you, you run at the wrong chart. So built this new chart. By the way, just kudos on this one over 25,000 people have downloaded this chart just in the last couple of weeks. So I guess it's kind of uh, a good chart. Well, at least people want to have it. It did lose some information, but if you do still want to find MCS and you run the AX clients, you need to have this extra detail. Okay, let's get into some raw data. Uh, a couple months ago, uh, Fernay Munoz and I went out to a football field and we did some testing. We wanted to test and compare a variety of things, uh, high power versus low power, uh, Wi-Fi 5 versus Wi-Fi 6, four spatial streams versus eight spatial streams. And in order to do that, we tested four different APs. Two mists, they were mist 41s, they were identical. And the only difference was the second one had higher power, 10 dB higher power. The next test was between uh, Wi-Fi five and Wi-Fi six. And that was the test between the middle two here, the 41 high and the 43, the, it was also high. So they were both set to the same transmit power. The only difference was the 43s running AX. And then the last two comparison is a missed 43, four spatial stream AX versus a cambium, which was an eight spatial stream AX. So again, this is, this is a over distance, we went, from, uh, so each of the, you can see at the bottom, we went from 10, 20, 50, 75, and 100 meters out on a, on a football field. Yes, we used meters, even though it was a football field, we had to calculate the difference, but we wanted to be consistent. So th this shows as you were close, everyone was faster, the dark blue line. So when you were only at 10 meters, yeah, everyone's faster, but it's substantially faster on the eight spatial stream than even the four spatial stream. The AX was faster than the AC, and the high power was faster than the low power. As we get further out, those differences got uh, less pronounced. In the end, though, the eight spatial stream across the board was faster than the four spatial stream. The AX was faster than the AC. The high speed was about, sorry, the high data, sorry, high transmit power on the high 41 
was at distance about the same. So comparing, now this was just a snapshot, four different things, low power, high power, Wi-Fi 5, same power, Wi-Fi 5, Wi-Fi 6, and then same Wi-Fi 6, different spatial streams between the last two. So what we see is more spatial streams, good. Now again, this was, a, this was an addition, and you're gonna see in a minute of the actual clients we tested with. The clients, we had AX client, two spatial stream client, three spatial stream client, and a one spatial stream client. So we could test those as well. And these numbers are an aggregate of all of those clients together. Just comparing the MIST-43 against the, the Cambium. This was just, I wanted to highlight for this uh, webinar, just those two numbers, four spatial streams versus eight spatial streams. Across the board, the additional spatial streams on the AP only, again, the data that we collected from the clients was the aggregate of a whole bunch of different spatial streams, but just the AP alone, that additional spatial stream had an edge, not a huge one, not substantial, but a little bit more. Now, part of this could be, and we need to run some more tests to prove it, is we were doing a test in a football field and there was a big wall, not really a wall, but all of the bleachers had a whole lot of metal sitting on them and we could have had a lot more multipath and those extra spatial streams could have cleaned it up. So we'll need to test this differently for NAPENS on doing it out, the same test, but out in the Utah salt flats with no multipath to see what the differences are. Now let's look at the clients. The dark blue client is a ThinkPad, a really old ThinkPad, but it had a brand new Intel AX chipset in it. Two spatial stream, but it was able to outperform all the others. I rarely see anything outperforming my MacBook Pro. Now this is an older MacBook Pro. Uh, it actually was a really old MacBook Pro, but it had three spatial streams, but its N wasn't enough to make it better than the iPad, which had AC. The iPad was two spatial streams and across the board, the iPad outperformed. You can see at, at distance, they all did pretty good, but AX outperformed AC at every single level. Conclusions. AX is better than AC. Duh, of course it is. Now, I don't know how much of this is the AX things we talked about in all of the marketing literature. We looked at the PCAPs of these tests and no one ever hit 1024 qualm. So, yeah, we, we didn't use that one. The spatial streams, the AX that was a AX chipset was a two spatial stream. The AP was an eight that did the best and the AX outperformed everything else from the client standpoint. Okay, so maybe it's the chipsets faster, but we also didn't see any OFDMA it never triggered the OFDMA. So this was just, we got a newer chipset and newer chipsets always outperform older chipsets. For the last 20 years, every time a new chipset comes out, I give the exact same recommendations to my customers. Say, so should we move? And I'm like, well, it will be better. If you're gonna buy anything today, buy the newest, duh, because it's got newer, faster, better chipsets that have fixed all the problems in the previous generations. So I would expect AX, every AX chip to be better than every AC chip. But that's not the only question. Should you buy today? And of course, 
It depends. A little shout out to Sam Clements for his little TM there. Well, what does it depend on? If I was going to buy today, I would buy AX. I've had some customers who just said flat out, we will only buy AX from now on. Good. I wholeheartedly support that. But the question is, do you even need to buy at all? So if you have Wi-Fi 4, it is of an N, and it's meeting your requirements, why do you need to upgrade? Literally, is it meeting your requirements? So what you need to do is first know what are my requirements? And a lot of people, a lot of companies, in fact, most of my customers I meet with don't actually know their own requirements. So one, if it's meeting your requirements, why do I need to upgrade? Now, it could be a political thing, a financial thing. We're on a seven-year cycle and we're already, you know, we're late. We're going to, we have budget we need to spend. Great, buy AX. But if you're an N, you might have some reasons why you're not meeting your current requirements. Thus, if you're going to buy new, buy AX, of course. What if you're Wi-Fi 5 today? You have Wi-Fi 5 installs, it's of an AC. It's been around for five years or longer. You may be at the point where you're like, well, do I need to upgrade that? Well, it goes back to the exact same question. Is your Wi-Fi 5 today meeting all of your requirements? If it is, you have no, no legitimate reason to move to 6. The improvements in AX, though we have documented proof and there's all sorts of marketing reasons to go, if it's meeting your requirements, why do you need to move? So again, if you are going to change, obviously go to Wi-Fi 6. No reason to buy older, infra older infrastructure. But you might not need to go right away if you're meeting requirements. I have a customer, uh, a hotel chain, that's still running 807G. ABG devices, 12, 14 years old. It's meeting their requirements. They're like, should we upgrade? And I'm like, well, does it meet your requirements? Yeah. They're able to deliver Netflix to all the people in their buildings all at the same time. What they really needed to do is update their ISP big internet pipe and it still works. So when your boss says, are we gonna move to six? The answer is, yeah, we're going to move to six. The real question is when? When do we need to move? And when you need to move is when you have enough requirements. I haven't seen a requirement that requires using six over five. So if you can meet today's requirements with five, you don't need to move. So the big conclusion is AX is definitely better than AC. I haven't seen widespread adoption of clients or any of the features that we are so touted. Eight spatial streams, we're not going to have it. OFDMA, it may help on some efficiency. It also has its own if, 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 if. You need to have a lot of clients that need to transmit at the exact same time in order for that to even trigger. Um, 1024 qualm can work if you're close enough. BSS coloring, yeah, a slight little bit, but nothing that's overwhelming enough to say, I need to dump my Wi-Fi 5 and go out and buy Wi-Fi 6 today. That's my conclusion. Questions? All right, thanks, Keith. So one thought I had while you were, you know, we were discussing those different uh, performance numbers, you know, the eight spatial streams uh, gives you, gives the AP on the receive side um, better capabilities used to use MRC to combine 
all signals from those different spatial streams and uh, result in better SNR and also a better opportunity for transmit beam forming in a single user mode to that client maybe at distance to provide it you know a higher signal strength at distance do you think those things played a role oh i'm i'm sure they did there was the only difference between those two APs actually there's a, a, another difference though the mist 43 had wi-fi 6 ac ax so did the cambium the only difference was their spatial streams and in order to get that kind of difference and the biggest difference was to the ax client but it was also bigger to all clients across the board. So those additional spatial streams, both on inbound and outbound, uh, the transmit beamforming must have been working in order to get it. And we did both upload and download tests and it was consistent across the board. So yeah, spatial streams help. There are two different types of AX APs. Some have an eight by eight radio, some have two four by four radios that can sometimes be eight by eight. And so depending on which brand you get, they use different chips and there's different chips that have different capabilities. Gotcha. Well, we have a lot of good questions from the audience. I'm gonna dive into some of these. Uh, Evo asks, some people say network latency will be lower in Wi-Fi 6. Is that true? Sounds like the same people who are pushing wi uh, 5G. Yeah, lower latency. Perhaps. It's, one, it's like that BSS coloring document you wrote up. You're, there's ways to lower the latency. If, if you think OFDMA is gonna work and people, the latency was induced because I had to wait my turn to talk next and I get a talk at the same time as someone else. Yeah, it could happen. We're talking at the microsecond level. This is, yeah, I don't, I don't think your gaming machine is gonna go, oh yeah, I, I, I dropped my ping times when I, no, it's not a ping time thing. Uh, get a faster internet pipe if you want that. Or if you're a gamer, wire it, man. Definitely wire it, especially if latency is uh, is really important. Another question here from Evo, will target wait time improve battery life of clients compared to Wi-Fi 5? Yes, and who cares? Um, there, that's, I mean, Evo, do you work for a marketing department? <laughs> the, the, the answer is for every one of these new features that come with the next version of the protocol, they wouldn't have put them in if they didn't work. So target awake time has the ability to save a little bit of battery time. But if you look on your device, um, the actual amount of time you're spent receiving is, is a very low power draw. Transmitting is where you get the high power draw for the radio. But of the entire battery budget of power wi-fi is nothing compared to your screen the backlight playing the game keeping the cpu running so yes target wake time can save some battery life on a laptop it would be you wouldn't even notice on a phone it might be a, a percent or two after an entire day so yeah it's not like you're going to save an old iphone 4 from extinction because now we have target wait time. Not, not like an iPhone 4 has Wi-Fi 6, but anyway. A couple of good questions from uh, Yermond who who was uh, uh, participating and we wanna thank him for his um, Wi-Fi airtime calculator that's so useful. He says, 
the same MCS index for legacy OFDM and HE OFDM, that's what Wi-Fi 6 adds, gives different data rates. Wi-Fi 6 have larger data rates for the same MCS. And so he says, has anyone tested whether a Wi-Fi 6 client can give a higher MCS rate at the same distance as a Wi-Fi 5 client? The difference in subcarrier spacing and data symbol time could give better MCS um, with the same SNR. Yes, Germund, it's possible. I have tested it, uh, a Wi-Fi 6 versus a Wi-Fi client uh, to a, a Wi-Fi 6 AP at the same distance, and they fluctuate. I found, and, and if, if you're interested, Wi-Fi Nigel uh, posted a blog post about taking his phone and rotating it just an inch at a time and up and down. I found more change in this angle than I did in the difference between a AX MCS and AC MCS. So changing an MCS category is more than same category AC to AX. If that, I think that answered his question. Yeah, and 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 I and I think you know I think you're right too. I think we've seen with Wi-Fi five and then Wi-Fi six. Even though we do need a lot of SNR for 256 QAM and now 1024 QAM, it does work surprisingly more often than you might expect it to work. So that sometimes might totally unexpected. Mm -hmm. Like like I'm sitting here, I can't get a, a three stream, but I can get a 1024 QAM. I go into another room, I get three stream and 1024 QAM, and I come back and I lose a 1024 QAM. So it's, 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 and the whole thing about Wi-Fi is whoever's transmitting, whether it be the AP or the client, they're making that decision frame by frame by frame on how they're going to modulate the, the data they want to send. So we don't have a lot of control over that. One of my, one of my pet peeves about some uh, training classes and certifications exams, they get down into, oh yeah, what, ha what happens in the preamble right here? Who cares? We don't have any control over that. We don't even have any control. I can't even tell my client, I want you to stay at, you know, 256 QAM or better or drop. You don't have any control over that. It just does what it does because it's hard-coded into the firmware. So us knowing how the nitty-gritty works really doesn't matter because we can't change it. What we really yeah. can change are transmit power, co-channel interference, design issues, infrastructure issues, and those are the ones we can do. And with 7Signal, we can also set baselines and come back and say, why is it not working as well as it used to work? What changed? And so those are the things we have control over. We don't have control over the chip level stuff. Yeah, and those those rate selection algorithms are all proprietary. You can read the thousands of pages of 802.11 standards and you still don't know what rate a, a client's gonna select. So I, I did a test once and uh, took it to three different vendors and tested the same test inside their buildings. And what we wanted to find out, this was maybe seven, eight years ago. What we wanted to find out was, this was right after antenna gate with iPhone. What angle is best for your phone? Both this way, and then we rotated it this way. So we had it on a turntable, and we had angles set, and we would run it through a pattern and do it. And what we found was, it didn't do the same thing every time. We, we not once, out of probably 80 tests, could we replicate one test to another test? And it was the same AP at the same distance with the same people in the building 
everything was the same. And as we rotated around, we never got the same algorithm. Now, it, it, it would downgrade from a fast to slow, but never at the same rate. Sometimes we were running a test and it would go 40 megahertz to 20. The next time we ran the test, it stayed at 40 and changed spatial streams. Nothing else changed. It's highly, highly dynamic. It is. It is. And so I th the reason we did it at multiple vendors and the reason this isn't published is because none of the vendors wanted to publish it because it was so just crazy. But every vendor also had a different set of data. So the clients didn't match, but the vendors didn't match each other either. So there's, there's rate algorithms on every transmitter. And those can change um, with different code levels and firmware levels and yeah. So Kelsey, maybe one more question, then we'll wrap up. So Keith, uh, last question here from Bart, who says, uh, what if I need to add APs into an existing 802.11n environment? Is it advised to combine with newer Wi-Fi 6 APs? My personal answer to you there is uh, move, AP, move NAPs around and keep a building or a floor or a, a segment of your building all new and so pull scavenge take if I, I really don't like seeing mixed i don't like seeing mixed ap versions in a building let alone total new technologies so if you have n everywhere and you need to fill in some holes take say you needed to add 20 more take a space that's 20 size and put only the ax in there and then move those over to offset where you pulled them out uh, it it's just easier. The other thing you're going to find, if you still have N code, you're starting to get to end of life on that code, and some controllers don't support it any longer. So it just should be a warning. When you see a vendor say EOL or EOS end of support, it's time to upgrade. That's that's a much bigger reason than oh AX is so much better. It's I need I need current code to run and sometimes they can't get it to run the old stuff. All right, thanks, Keith.